If you would like to borrow a Bible, just raise your hand up high, and the ushers will let you borrow a Bible so you can follow along with us this morning. And when you're finished, you can just leave it in the pew when we're done. At 1.30 today, we are going to have a baptism of a uh, woman, a college student who became a Christian this year. It's going to be at the, the Baptist Church. All that information is in your bulletin. But that is, it's an encouraging time to hear her testimony and to be reminded of your salvation in Jesus and your union with Christ. So let me encourage you to come to that at, at 1.30 today. Go get some lunch and come on over. Let's turn to Matthew 21. We're going to the book of Matthew. Uh, if you can't find that, it's in your table of contents. If you still can't find it, at someone next to you can show you where it's at. Last week, we had a, um, one of our very own, uh, Trent Rogers, preach for us in verses 1 through 17, which is um, talking about Jesus is, um, riding into Jerusalem on a donkey as king and cleansing the temple. And, of course, the religious authorities challenged Jesus on his actions. Jesus pushed back by pointing to how he was the fulfillment of Old Testament Scriptures and this back and forth between Jesus and the religious authorities is going to keep happening through the rest of chapter 21 and on. But in the middle of all this confrontation is this um, interesting portion of Scripture from verses 18 through 22 about the, the cursing of the fig tree and the prayer of faith. And now I asked Trent, I said, Trent, do you want this portion of Scripture to go with your portion? Uh, and, and then he's like, no, I don't think it fits with my portion. And I was thinking about the rest of the chapter and what comes next. And I was thinking, well, it doesn't necessarily fit with that either. And so Trent and I are playing kind of this theological hot potato. Like, you take it. No, you take it. And, and so rather than tacking it on to his or tacking it on to next week's sermon, I, 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 looking at this, I really, this, I really feel like the Lord wants us to just pause and stop and just look at these few verses and specifically hone in on the prayer of faith. And then I believe the Lord is actually leading us this morning to pray the prayer of faith. So we're not just going to learn the word, we are going to practice the word today. So let, let's all stand, and I'm going to read the scripture to you. Matthew 21, verses 18 through 22. Let me begin in 18. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. You may be seated. 
this week as I have studied this passage, I have felt so immature. I, I, I look at this and I study this and I see there, there's, there's just this gap between what the Word is saying and my, my own uh, experience of it, this, this prayer of faith. I've, I've preached it before, I've studied it before, but I have a, a little experience of living it. It's that immaturity I feel when I'm around a lot of my brothers and sisters, around many of you, whose life seems to be consumed with prayer, consumed with faith. It seems like you're always asking for God to do these big things in your life, and you're expecting him to do big things in your life. It's like you pray for the salvation of someone, and someone gets saved. You're praying for somebody's healing, they get healed. You're praying through a breakthrough in your marriage or relationships, and there's a breakthrough that happens. You're praying for God to make provision for you, and provision comes through at just the last moment. You're praying to endure suffering, and God gives you the ability to endure suffering. It's like you have these, these this big, large amounts of, of faith where you're praying these big, God things, and you're expecting God to come through. And I, I'm, I'm so encouraged being around you. Last week, I met a woman, a single woman. She's probably in her 50s, and she was just spewing forth faith. (laughs) She talked about how the Lord gave her this vision, this God-sized vision. Now, she lives in Chicago, but she recently just moved to one of the southern states where God was calling her to purchase, I didn't ask her where she got the money, but to purchase 68 acres of land and to build this complex with all these different buildings to serve all these different people. And, and she's already purchased it, and she's already building. I'm like, wow, I want some of that. I want what you have. I want that kind of faith that can pray and that can step out, and then mountains start to move. I want that. And so I'm just wondering in your life, like, what are those big God things that you're praying for right now? Like, what mountains are you praying the impossibilities that you're praying for in your life right now? You're saying, God, move. God, pull this one off. What is that you're praying for right now? And so what I want to do is not just study the word, but I, I not just listen to it and hear it, but do what it says. So keep those things that you've been praying for in mind. And when I'm done, we're not going to go the full time today on my, on my preaching. We're going to spend some time praying, praying this prayer of faith. But let's try to understand exactly what Jesus is getting at here by looking at the context. Let's look at and start with verse 18. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but leaves. So his disciples were leaving Bethany. That's where they stayed for the night after all the events in Jerusalem. And he sees a fig tree in the distance with leaves. He's hungry. He thinks that tree has leaves. He's going to go over and he can see if he can get some fruit on it. But he goes over there and there, there's no fruit. It's just a barren tree. Verse 19. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. Is this like a, an, an hungry, irritated Jesus that didn't get his lunch in time? You die, tree. Is, is that what it is? No, no. This is, this is an, an enacted parable. He's acting out this parable, which symbolically acts something on the tree to demonstrate what was going to happen in reality. It's, it's, it's this incident with the tree. It gives a, a picture of Israel. 
Israel looked to be flourishing. They were in the temple. They were, they were praying all these prayers and going through all these religious motions. They looked like, wow, they looked promising and, and fruitful. But upon further inspection, Israel is fruitless. And as the tree withered and died, so Israel also will be judged. Now, the disciples, they don't necessarily get that symbolism. They don't quite understand the acted parable. They're, they're like us. They, they want to go, how did you do that? That's pretty impressive. How did you make that tree? Boom, it just, just withered. How, how did that happen? Well, look at their question. Verse 20. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither at once? And so Jesus, being our great Lord and our great teacher, stops. He stops all the confrontation. He stops and he pauses. And he uses this as a teachable moment for his disciples. And he's going to show them that faith not only can work miracles like what they just saw in the fig tree, but their faith can also be the route to answered prayer. Just like the outcome of unbelieving Israel is judgment, so one of the outcomes of the believing disciples is answered prayer. And Jesus is going to get really specific. So we're pausing. We're pausing. Let's listen to Jesus teach on prayer and faith. Verse 21. And he answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. Jesus seems to be saying that if his disciples have faith, they can pull off the impossible. If they have faith and do not doubt, they can have power to do what was done to the fig tree and more. And Jesus is really going to get their attention. He says, you know what? You can command this mountain to be thrown into the sea and it will happen. I mean, they're, they're probably standing on a mountain with a, a sea in the distance. And so the imagery is very striking, very vivid, getting their attention. This mountain can end up in that sea if you have faith. I mean... You, you understand it's hyperbole. You understand he's exaggerating uh, uh, this to really get their attention that they can accomplish great things for God if they have faith. Basically, he's saying God's abundant power can explode in your lives through faith. But it comes through prayer, verse 22. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Once again, they can accomplish these grand things of the movement of the mountain through prayer that believes and does not doubt. Through believing prayer, the power of God can break forth and break out in their lives and pull off the impossible. And I, I know as we're reading this, we're going, yeah, but really, seriously, does God really answer prayer like that? There's no way. It's like, it's like almost like the room's full of doubt. 
Yeah. It's like, there's no way. But maybe that's just for the disciples, not for us. Because those were the miracle guys. Remember in Acts, they're just doing all these miracles. God was moving. But we're, we're, we're not like them. Well, well, I understand to some extent there's a, the miracles accompany the power and the preaching of the gospel. And I understand some of that. But, but I still believe there's something that Jesus wants us to see here, that this is for us. If we have faith and do not doubt, he will answer prayer and respond to our prayer. So I don't just think, well, this is just for the disciples. I think it's for all believers. But what's he talking about? I mean, what does it mean, whatever you ask? In prayer, you will receive if you have been. What does that mean? I think a lot of us have the idea of praying that maybe you think prayer is kind of like I don't want to say this, but I want to say it. It's kind of like you think it's kind of like magic. Last Sunday, I wasn't here because I was working really hard in Orlando, Florida, taking my son to Universal Studios. It was awesome. It's his 13th birthday, so we went down there for his 13th birthday celebration. And we went to Universal Studios. And um, one of the things we got to do there is we, we got to go, you know, the Harry Potter world. You get that? It's like part of Universal. So we go to that portion, and we're standing in line for this wand demonstration. If you don't know what any of this means, fine, you don't need to know. But this wand demonstration, we go into this little room, and this, this wizard guy is saying, does anybody need to, I don't know, learn how to use a wand or something? And so he picks my son. And so my son goes for this demonstration, and he's giving him these different wands and saying, okay, Point it at the flowers and say something. And so my son points at the flowers and says something, and then the flowers die. And he says, well, well, let me give you a different wand. Here's a different wand. Say these different words and point over here. And he points over here, and then commotion breaks out. And, and so we, he's going through this process until he finally gets the right wand and says the right words. And I wonder if that's kind of how we think about prayer, that if this doesn't work, I kind of need a different technique. And and as as I'm talking about the prayer of faith, maybe some of you are waiting, oh, are you going to give me a new technique? Or maybe we think about the prayer of faith as kind of like wishful thinking. If we think the right thoughts, that God is somehow going to come through for us and pull off this prayer and answer it the way we want. And I just want to tell you, it's not about technique. It's about a relationship you have with God through Jesus Christ. You've been bought. You've been saved through Jesus and his work on the cross. It's not about technique. It's about a relationship of one who has has saved you from your sins and reconciled you to the Father through faith in Jesus. Think about what we've learned in Matthew so far. We've learned to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven. We've learned that our Father gives good gifts to His children because He loves them. So don't look for techniques. Don't look for wishful thinking. Don't look for that little angle. Understand, you're in a relationship with your Father. And as you're in a relationship with your Father, you can talk to Him, and you can ask Him for big things, and you can continue this this conversational relationship with Him. So that's really the first thing I want you to understand. It's not about technique or wishful thinking. It's about a relationship with the Father through Jesus. Now, as we are in this relationship, does that mean that we can just pull off anything that we want? So say I want a pony or I want a new car or I want a, a new house or I want 
you know, maybe some of you who are students, you're like, please, God, let me marry her or let me marry him. And, and you have, maybe you think, for sure, pull this off, God. So what are the boundaries? Because I think there are boundaries. And I think the boundaries, the praying the prayer of faith, the praying and talking to the Father, I think the boundaries fall within God's will. God's will. Let me share some scripture to you. Sometimes you may wonder why God doesn't answer your prayer. It could be that some of your prayers are not in God's will. Or maybe they are self-centered prayers. Let me put up this scripture. James chapter 4. It says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive. That's answers to your prayer because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So maybe a lot of things that you're praying for right now are self-centered. They're, they're to spend it on your passions, and, and God's not answering your prayer because you're not praying according to his will. You're praying selfishly. Because when we pray, we want to pray according to the will of God. For example, another scripture, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is good. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Jesus says something very similar in the book of John, verse 14 and 13. Let me read this to you. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So to pray in Jesus' name is to pray according to the will of God, to pray for the glory of God. And then John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So what we want to do, we want to continue to take God's word. We want to continue to put God's word inside of us whether you're reading the Word, memorizing Scripture, talking about it. So you want to know God's will, and God's will is revealed in His Word. And I think that part of the prayer of faith is praying according to God's revealed will in His Word. So when Jesus says specifically in verse 21, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, do not doubt what? Well, I would think part of that answer would be you're not doubting that you're praying according to God's will. And when he says in verse 22, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Faith in what? Faith, of course, in the power of God, absolutely. But faith that you're praying according to God's will. And when you pray for the salvation of others, you know that God does not desire anyone to perish, right? So you're, I think that you're praying according to God's will. And you say, yeah, but someone doesn't get saved every time I pray for someone to be saved. What? We've got to trust God's sovereign will. He can answer the prayers in his time and in his way. But I think this is praying according to God's will. And I know those of you want to ask a great question is, well, how can you know? Like, what if you're praying something and you're not so sure it's God's will? I mean, you know you're supposed to marry a Christian, but you're not told the name of that specific Christian. You know you're supposed to walk in God way, God's ways as you pursue your career path, but you've maybe, you, I don't know, maybe you heard a voice on that specific career path? You know, you know, as you are in college, you're supposed to act with integrity, but 
did, did a voice come to you about which specific college you were to go to? So what do you, what do, you do about those instances where you just don't know if it's God's will or not? I think this is what you do. You simply pray what's in your heart, what's in your mind, and you say, Lord, your will be done. And Lord, if I am wrong in asking this, change my heart, change my mind, change my attitude, change my thinking. But Lord, I'm going to keep pressing on in this prayer until you show me otherwise. I think that's what we're supposed to do to keep praying and always finish up with, God, your will be done. God, your will be done. Your will be done. And, and, and don't stop. So, so get this. The prayer of faith, I think what Jesus is saying here, it, we're in a relationship with God. We pray according to his will as best as we can see. And the last thing I want you to see and understand is that God moves in powerful ways when we pray. God moves in powerful ways when we we pray. I'd love to have someone come up here and explain to me the mystery of God's sovereignty and our part in prayer and his response to our prayers. That's a mystery. I don't quite understand how God is sovereign, and yet part of his sovereignty includes our prayers and his actions through our prayers, which basically means that we pray... And God moves and acts. There's scriptures that talk about if we don't ask, we won't have. There's scriptures that talk about if we knock, the door will be open. If we confess our sins, he responds. He forgives. And Jesus says that we pray, this, this prayer of faith, mountains will be moved and these impossibilities will become reality. Uh, some people would say that prayer is just about God changing us. Have you ever heard that before? Like, you know, Prayer doesn't really change anything. Prayer is about God changing us. Now, I, I believe that God changes us when we pray, absolutely. But to say that our prayers have no effect in reality, I, I think would go against the, the teaching of the Scriptures. Because it seems in the Scriptures that people pray, and then God responds consistently to their prayers. So I, I believe that when you pray and you keep persisting in prayer and keep pressing ahead in prayer... God responds to your prayers. Sometimes it's not in your timing. Sometimes it's not in the way you anticipate it. But God really responds in powerful ways to the prayers of his people. And if you don't believe that, you are showing it in your prayer life. If you pray little, it's probably because you don't think much is going to happen. That's why I want to keep praying. Keep asking, seeking God. Keep coming to our Father who gives good gifts to children. Keep praying big things. Keep asking for God to move in powerful ways. The Lord will respond to our prayers. There's a, a, a little motto that one of our staff members, Josh Gregerson, has made up called pray the mission. Pray the mission. That basically means that we pray according to God's will and we're asking him to move in powerful ways as we serve him. What we do in our church is something called ethos communities. For those of you who are visiting, it's similar to small groups. We ask in our ethos communities for God to move in powerful ways as we go out on mission. We have prayer groups, prayer meetings that meet on Sunday morning and Thursday night, and they pray for God to move in powerful ways in responding to the prayers of his people. And we have individuals in here 
took them on to pray, God, use me. God, I want to do big things for you, not for my glory, but for your glory. God, use me as an instrument in your hand to be used. It's, we're not focusing on ourselves. We're asking God to move in powerful ways in our lives, in our church, on his mission, according to his will, for his glory, in the name of Jesus Christ. So what I want to do, I want to tell you what I love. This is what I love to see happening in our church. I love to watch this life of faith and prayer unfold. I love it when freshman students come to campus and I see them in church. And I love it when, they, when something in them starts to click, where they start to see that God is on a mission to bring salvation to other students, to reconcile them through Jesus. And I love it when they start to pray prayers of faith and they start to step out and share their faith. I love to see that unfold because often as a a freshman, when you first come in, you don't see it. But if you're following the Lord, something clicks often your freshman year where you see it and you start crying out to God for the salvation of others and stepping out on faith. I, I love to see that unfold. And I, and I love it when I see it unfold in, in your lives. M- many of you who are, who are pursuing careers and you're saying, okay, how does my career and faith integrate? And you start to pray about it. And it starts to unfold. And you start to see that God has a bigger vision for you than simply to, to make money and provide for your family. Like something's starting to come alive with you. And I love to watch it unfold. And I love to watch it unfold in your families that, that God just doesn't want you to fall in love and, and get married and have kids. That he actually has a bigger vision for you and your family. And, and I love to watch it unfold in your families as you're, you're praying as families of faith and stepping out on faith. It's awesome. But there's two ways that I want to share with you recently that I have seen the prayers of faith and the faith actions unfold in our congregation over the last two or three weeks. As many of you know, our ethos communities this year have all attempted to reach a certain tribe. That, that may sound weird, but it, it's, that means that we want to focus in on a certain group of people where we're going to love them in and, and, and word and deed and share the gospel. And then it's just basically saying that we don't want to just exist as small groups or ethos communities. We want to do something. We want to be a church that's full of action. So each group picks an area that they're going to focus on. And so one of our groups has decided that they're going to focus on those who are trafficked. Um, we have young ones in the congregation with us right now, so I'm not going to get into the details of what that means. You, you, you know what I mean. So this group has been praying for opportunities to minister to those in the area who have been trafficked. And um, I was talking to one of the leaders of the group just on Friday, and he said, you know what? I thought as we started moving out in this area that, and praying about it that we you know, here in Chicago, I wasn't quite sure how many opportunities we would have to actually dive in really, really deep. He said, we were at the, the plate, ready to swing, you know, ready to bat. And not just thought we'd just keep on bunting. But God gave us a great opportunity to participate in something just this last weekend. So I'm going to tell you what this group got to do. So while this group was communicating with agencies uh, in the Chicago area that help uh, with traffic, those who are being trafficked and trafficking, they were, they were made aware of an emergent need to provide shelter for a vulnerable Chinese immigrant. 
So somehow this ethos community gets hooked up with this woman, and she actually ended up staying in the home of, of a family in our church. Uh, for those of you who know, Jerry and Kathy Bogatz. They, this woman stayed at their home, and while she was there over the weekend, the, the ethos community, they, they got into this meal rotation, and they were visiting her throughout the weekend. But the, the problem was she spoke only Mandarin. So I don't think any of that group speaks Mandarin. And so they used a combination of charades, Mandarin speakers, uh, Google Translate app. I think they were kind of translating just like this to the phone, communicating with her. And so God provided an opportunity for them to share with this girl, obviously, in a horrible situation. You know, it's just a horrible situation. And, and they got to share with her God's love. And, and, and she came to church last Sunday, and the message was translated for her. And she expressed interest in knowing God and knowing more about the Bible. And when she left on Monday morning, she was given a, a new Mandarin New Testament, and she was connected with believers in Chinatown. That was one weekend. God moved significant mountains in the life of that woman in one weekend. And here was a simple ethos community just praying the prayer of faith, God, use us. And wow, look what happened. And it it not only happens in groups, but it also happens in the lives of individuals. Let let me share with you one more story of what's been happening in the life of a a couple in, in our church. About three weeks ago, a woman in our church, um, maybe you know her, Layla Bechtel, came across this picture. Let me show you this picture. This picture of a 12-year-old girl from Latvia. She's 12. Her name is Irina. She is an orphan who's had a very difficult life. And the plan was for her to come to America for about a month. There's a system sometimes set up where, where they would come here for a month. She was going to come here with a host family, and while she was here, she was going to meet other individuals and other families, and hopefully, by God's grace, someone would want to adopt her in the future. Perhaps you've heard of things like this. But the whole thing that was set up for her to come completely fell through. Can you imagine looking forward to coming to America and maybe meeting a family that's going to adopt you, and then the whole thing just falls through? And so Layla Bechtel and, and John Bechtel, they, they saw this, and they were, they were cut to the heart. And they felt led to, to pray and act by faith to pull this off. And it's, the thing is, is it's, it's not cheap. You've got to pay for it as well. You don't just host. You're paying. And so the, all the money hasn't come yet, but they're, they're trusting the Lord by faith. They just step out. And so in about, um, I guess, four weeks, four weeks, Irina is going to be here with us. And so I'm just wondering if, if, if John and Layla's faith and prayer to bring her here may turn into, I don't know, someone else's prayer and faith to adopt her. You never know. We're talking about moving mountains. We're talking about God moving in powerful ways as, as he responds to the prayers of his people as they, they move in line with his will. And he moves mountains. He does significant things. And so what we're going to do now, we're going to go as people who who have have access to the Father, have access and ask him for mercy and grace to help us 
and our needs to help us with where we're going in the future and visions, whatever, to do significant things in life, we're actually going to pray these prayers of faith like right now. We're going to ask God to move mountains, to do significant things in your life that you've been praying for, and we're going to ask you to include others in on it. So this is, this is what we're going to do. I'm just going to tell you what the organized portion is going to look like, and then hopefully you'll take care of the unorganized portion. The organized portion is that we're going to have the elders and some godly women set up around this place to pray for you. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're having some hard times. Maybe you need some mountains to move. Maybe you need some, uh, some significant things to be pulled off in your life. We want to be available to pray for you. Maybe you're sick. We'll anoint you with oil. So this is what we'll have some elders up front here, on the side here. I'm going to go on up there. I'll be at the very top with, the, uh, with Wendy Klintner, and just different people are going to be placed throughout here. Look for those people. Come up for prayer. Last week I was in this, this humongous Baptist church in Orlando going to church and they actually had a time where you could go forward for prayer and the elders were up there and I felt kind of compelled to go up for prayer. But everybody was all dressed all nice and I was wearing shorts and I was feeling all embarrassed. I don't want to go up there and ruin everything in this traditional church. But, so I felt like I wanted prayer, but I didn't go up. And you know, sometimes when you're sitting there like, oh, I just want someone to pray for me. Even if you're a guest, it's like, just pray for me. Then just, just don't, don't be hindered. There, there's a blessing when others pray for you. But we also want you to pray for one another. So as we have this time of prayer and worship, you can just turn to the person next to you. If you, if you want, and say, can you pray for me? Or pray for each other. Pray as families. Pray, pray as... I don't know. We just kind of want an atmosphere of prayer where, where God actually responds to the prayers of his people, that we want to believe that and pray in line with that because we have access to the Father through Jesus. Isn't that awesome? What a great opportunity. So what we're going to do, we're going to... Here in a moment, we're going to stand... We're going to sing some songs and just, just kind of get aggressive. If you need to get out of your aisle somehow, push people over and go get prayer. We're going to be all over the place. So let's go to the Lord for prayer right now. Lord, there are some people in here that you have birthed uh, visions in their hearts for, for mountains to move, and uh, maybe they're just struggling right now. Maybe those things aren't really happening the way that they thought you've placed in their hearts. And I just ask that you would hear their hearts and their prayers right now. And there's others in here that are struggling so much for movements in their, their relationships, some of them in their marriages, and they are just struggling, and they need, they need a breakthrough. And I just ask that you would hear the prayers of your children that, that you love, so, Lord, I just ask that you would turn this place into a place of prayer. And I'm so grateful we have access to you through Jesus, through his finished work on the cross, where we can come boldly, we can draw near to the throne of God with confidence and receive mercy and grace. So, Lord, please hear the prayers of your people right now. In Jesus' name, amen.